That catchy song is Benny Gantz's campaign song. I guess you could call it a jingle. Shalom and welcome back to Israel Policy Pod. I'm Evan Gottesman, Associate Director of Policy and Communications at Israel Policy Forum, uh, recording from New York. And I'm Eli Koaz, Communications Director, recording from Tel Aviv. And I cannot get that song out of my head. Well, especially you, because you were at Benny Gantz's rally yesterday in Tel Aviv, correct? Oh, yes, I was. And let me tell you that the song was played, I'm going to say, at least 45 times. It's really, it's really becoming a centerpiece of his campaign. So at, at his campaign launch event yesterday, there was a DJ, and there must have been four or five different remixes to this song. And... Um, Maybe um, later on in the podcast we can. Uh, Eli's going to uh, Eli's going to sing it. We'll see. We'll see. Hopefully not. Um, my voice is uh, maybe a nice podcast voice, not a uh, a singing voice. <laughs> Eli, um, we're all excited to hear your rendition of Benny Gantz's campaign jingle rap, whatever whatever you want to call it. Um, but taking a step back. Could you just give a little background for our listeners as to who Benny Gantz is? Because he's a familiar figure to many Israelis, but as a player on the political scene, he's a relatively new entry. Yeah, he he is definitely a a new entry. He registered his uh, party, Chosen L'Israel, which means uh, resilience uh, to Israel. I think the English translation officially is the Israel Resilience Party. Um, he registered the party end of December. Um, there were a lot of rumors of that he was joining politics, and that made it official. And um, he, he's the he's the former chief of staff of the Israel Defense Forces, and yeah, and okay. he he had been widely people had been expecting that he was going to register this party. It was widely speculated that he uh, saw a place for himself in politics after his retirement. Yeah, definitely. I mean, he was a very popular uh, chief of staff. Um, he was. I think a very successful officer uh, in the army, uh, in the paratroopers uh, brigade, um, really uh, illustrious uh, military uh, career. Um, he kind of got the uh, chief of staff position uh, uh, by chance. Uh, it was actually Yoav Galant, who uh, was a Kulanu MK. He was the uh, the minister of uh, of housing. Um, who just joined the Likud, he was uh, slated to, to get that chief of staff role, but he was in legal trouble, so Benny Gantz was kind of the backup, um, and there's kind of a, a rivalry between them, but Gantz was a, a really respected uh, chief of staff. Right, he, he served through uh, two Gaza wars, 2012 and 2014, so Israelis know him yes, from that. Yes, um, and he was obviously... Uh, involved in cast-led as well, um, Pillar of Defense and Protective Edge, where he was uh, uh, the chief of staff, and he obviously mentioned uh, his, uh, his career in, uh, in his speech. Uh, the evening opened with, with a video summing up uh, his life. Uh, he's the child of uh, two Holocaust survivors. And, um, you know, a lot of people have made the comparison uh, to another... Former chief of staff, uh, Prime Minister Yitzhak Rabin, that was assassinated. That was something that that really uh, stood out uh, on Tuesday uh, Tuesday night. Uh, right, there have been night. a lot of comparisons in the Israeli media. A lot of commentators saying that he's like Rabin. I, I think that it may be an, an overblown 
uh, comparison, but it's definitely tempting to see the well, parallels. Well, well, I don't know if they're talking. They're talking. Uh, they're referring, I think, to his his demeanor, how he uh, presents himself, and also his his viewpoint. I mean, we'll talk uh, a bit later on about what exactly he said in his speech, um, but uh, but he spoke really strongly about about unity against. Uh, uh, incitement on security issues. He he spoke tough, but also he spoke about the importance of uh, of reaching out for peace, praising Menachem Begin and other Israeli uh, prime ministers who who did that. He, he kind of gave um, some backhanded praise to Netanyahu for during his first government handling some of the withdrawal agreements as part of the Oslo process, the Y River Memorandum, Hebron Agreement, as well. Didn't go into that much detail, but he, but he did, um, but he he did do that. So um, when it, he wanted to remind Netanyahu of some things that Netanyahu probably doesn't want to remind his own voters about. <laughs> Definitely, but I think uh, what was the breaking news uh, uh, last night, besides uh, Benny Gantz's stellar performance, uh, was his the announcement that he would that he would join forces with another former chief of staff. Uh, Moshe Bogi Yalon, um, who was also, uh, as you remember, he was defense minister before Avigdor Lieberman, um, who was fired by Benjamin Netanyahu um, after it, it happened during the Elora Zarya debacle. Um, um, right, that, that was when an IDF soldier uh, shot and killed a Palestinian um, who had stabbed another soldier but was immobilized and, you know, against his orders, basically summarily executed him. And he was put on trial. Yeah, exactly. So, so that's, that, that's one big thing that happened last night. And that's, I mean, it's the first big, we've had some big breakups so far this election season. We haven't had much unity. And that was uh, the, the first um, another thing that I, I didn't mention yet was, so after Gantz registered his party uh, at the end of December, there was about a month where, I mean, we only heard there was a ongoing joke that almost became, it looked almost pathetic. Uh, uh, Gantz hadn't said anything. He hadn't even, uh, people were, were talking about the amount of words that had come out of his mouth uh, since he registered his party. Um and there were even polls done to say, to ask Israelis what what do you think about Gantz's prolonged silence, um, which was very unpopular. So there was really like a lot riding on this speech, and uh, and Gantz uh, he he delivered. Uh, he got people excited. We're starting to see the first polls uh, since uh, the, since the speech, and uh, it's showing him uh, make kind of opening up a gap as the clear. Uh, candidate uh with a chance of beating netanyahu um so eli you were there what do you think of the substance of what he said in terms of israeli democracy in terms of his position on relations with the palestinians because he did talk a little about that after as you mentioned a protracted period of radio silence or just kind of substanceless sound bites what was your take on what he's offering? So, I mean, his he spoke for about, I'm going to say around 20 minutes, um, and he covered really everything. He talked about the 
the cost of living. He talked about issues with uh, religion and state. He he spoke. Uh, he touched on specific issues there, such as supporting uh, public transportation on Shabbat in cities and towns that that agree. Something that is a very consensus uh, issue supported by the majority of Israelis. Um, and he he talked about the increasing divide between. Uh, the Israeli right and the Israeli left, and the need to really heal that divide. Um, and also, it goes back to the song which we mentioned. Right. Uh, it's there's no right, sorry. there's no left. Yeah. I, do you want me to do you want me to sing it? No. I, I just let me sing that one line. We can take a listener. We can take a listener, can take a listener poll after this, and we'll we'll, we'll find okay. out if the listeners want to listen to you. Fine. Sing it. Okay. Fine. Maybe Fine. at the end. I feel. I feel. I feel bad for shutting down your musical aspirations. Okay, maybe maybe okay. at the end. We're gonna save that for the end. But you should feel. Bad. Okay. 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 Fine. Fine. You should feel bad for my wife. I sing karaoke every morning. Um. Okay. Uh. Let's cut that out. Uh, LGBT rights. He spoke about. Um. He spoke about uh the kotel and the uh, importance of that. Um. Um. And by kotel importance, I mean allowing for a joint prayer. Uh. A section uh, between men and women, something obviously important to uh, to uh, American Jews, I mean, especially uh, Reform and conservative uh, ones. Um, he spoke about uh, public corruption, and obviously there was a big attack on Netanyahu, and uh, he really attacked Netanyahu in a way that was, I'm going to say, was unique. Uh, it sounded like it carried more weight. I'm Maybe that was because of his like security persona, but it really people like you really felt it. Obviously, you felt it in the in, in the room that was full of his supporters, but but you felt a specific conviction. I, I know what you mean because if, if you read the the text of his speech or if you listen to it, there's been a lot of characterization of Netanyahu as you know this villain, pure evil, and certainly I at least personally don't have a particularly high opinion of him, but the way Gantz carried himself, it was almost as if to rise above the fray. Like, even if it was a little sarcastic, he thanked Net- Netanyahu for his service. You know, he, yeah, s- he said he, yeah, he, 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 said he, he's a patriot too, but his time. Yeah, that was, yeah, exactly. That was like, we thank, he said, we thank Netanyahu for 10 years of service as prime minister. We'll take it from, We'll take it from here. Um, but at one point, there was a uh, some sort of interruption, a, a supporter yelling something bad about Bibi, and he stopped him, and he was like, that's not how we're going to do this in this election. We're, no, we're, we're going to, like, rise rise above. Um, kind of like, uh, was it Michelle Obama, when they go low, we go high, kind of thing like that. Go high. Or maybe maybe it was Melania <laughs> Trump afterwards. Um but 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 so yeah so so I think uh, what was even more interesting besides the, the speech itself was the the reaction uh, of the Likud party um, because I'm not sure that the Likud saw this uh, unity with uh, Yalon coming Yalon is obviously uh, he is a I would call him a, a hawk on security issues um, would you agree? Yeah, definitely. I mean, he gave he gave an interview, and I want to talk about this 
afterwards, but he gave an, an interview with the Times of Israel after Gantz's speech, where he refer, uh, where he reaffirmed in no uncertain terms that he would not be changing his position on a two-state solution. You know, he has been very firm in his stance against a two-state solution. Um, I think he's referred to Oslo as a mistake. You know, he supported it then, but not now. And he made that clear after that unity with Gantz and that speech that he's not going to support two states. So he's definitely on the political right. He, he, he doesn't maybe engage in some of the same... He definitely doesn't engage in some of the same vitriol that other figures on the Israeli right have engaged in, some more extreme figures, but he's definitely subscribes to the right-wing ideology as far as it concerns concessions on territory. Definitely. I mean, he, he talks about, and maybe with this we'll talk about what Gantz said about the little he did say about the Palestinian issue, um, I think Yalon describes his his views uh, as more hawkish than Netanyahu when it comes to the Palestinians. Um, he would say that he he uh, believes, I mean, very strongly in the moral code of the IDF and of the importance of uh, uh, statesmanship. Right. Well, we well we we mentioned how he was thrown out for the El Orizaria case, I guess what we didn't get into, for people who aren't familiar with the case, he was thrown out because he supported there being an investigation and a court process and a trial for uh, the soldier who had broken the rules by shooting an immobilized individual, even though they had committed an act of terrorism just before. um, It still broke the rules. They were still immobilized, and he supported... A process for that. Yeah, no, exactly. And so, um, so when Gantz spoke about the Palestinian issue, it was kind of like, I mean, it's clear that it's not going to be uh, the leading issue of his his campaign. Um, but what he did say was very, uh, I will say, it was like Yalonesque kind of. Um, he he spoke about. Um, a continued uh, Israeli presence in the Jordan Valley. Right, which is the, the eastern border of the West Bank. Exactly. Um, that's a, uh, uh, it's a talking point that Yalon always always talks about. Net- uh, Netanyahu and, talks about these days. Of too. course, of course. But for Yalon, it's like, uh, I mean, maybe if we talk for a second about the Jordan Valley in context, um, in negotiations, uh uh, regarding a two-state solution, the the idea uh, that to reach an agreement, there would have to be uh, Israel would not be able to stay in the Jordan Valley forever. They would stay for a period of time. Um, from the Palestinians, it would ideally like be something they would agree to would be around five, maybe to ten years. Israel says twenty-five, thirty years. Um, but then that would eventually transition into some international force or U- a U.S. force. Right. Because the, the, the problem with the Jordan Valley is for, for the Palestinians and the Israelis is that it's the eastern border of the West Bank. So if Israel stays in the Jordan Valley, then a future state of Palestine is essentially completely enclosed by Israel on all sides. So that's why they exactly, don't want it. Exactly. And from Israel's perspective, they want to control that that border with with the Jordan, obviously, and make sure that whatever's coming into the West Bank is 
is uh, is monitored, and so it's a very contentious issue. Right, because they, they see they see it as the gateway to the exactly, broader Middle exactly. East. Exactly. So he spoke about that, and he said Israel's present. He didn't say it will be forever, but he said that Israel will remain there. Um, he also he promised to bolster the settlement blocks, um, which probably implies that he does not want to bolster the remote settlements. Um, but but that's a way of saying it that sounds uh, within uh, the Israeli uh, consensus, and that's really he was talking. Who he was talking to? It was the Israeli consensus. I mean, on every single point, like that is what the majority of Israelis think. Um, and he talked about uh, not Israel protecting itself from the millions of Palestinians on the other side of the security fence. Um, which, again, is like a very vague way of saying, I will not annex West Bank Palestinians. I will not take a Bennett step and annex Area C. I will advance gradual separation that may or may not lead to a future uh, Palestinian state, obviously without saying the words Palestinian state. And, of course, he also called for a united Jerusalem as Israel's eternal capital, Um which I mean, I think every every candidate that wants to uh, even consider himself a remote candidate to be prime minister uh, needs to say. Right. Every everyone except for for Meretz and the Arab parties, which have no intention of winning an election. Winning right. An election. And may, maybe the sectoral religious parties, which don't really care about the functions of modern Westphalian states, but. I want to touch on on the Palestinian issue here again, though, because I think uh, critically, and I would make the distinction, and I wonder if you felt this way listening to the speech in person, but he mentioned all of those things, keeping a presence in the Jordan Valley, strengthening the settlement blocks, united Jerusalem, uh, not, you know, not passing outside of the security barrier, or, or, you know, sort of using that as a some kind of demarcation. He didn't necessarily explicitly say that they wouldn't build over it, but he definitely thought of it as a sort of waypoint. He mentioned all of those things when he said, if there's no peace, this is what we're going to do. So to me, I sort of read that as what he's going to do if they go for some sort of agreement or if they go for negotiations and it falls through. So their alternative to negotiations is not full-on annexation. Um, but I do want to say, going back to Yalon, um, you know, he did come out explicitly against two states, and, and he reaffirmed that position. So I think, uh, you know, everything that Gantz said, while he's certainly not an annexationist or, or seems not to be, is, you know, compatible with Yalon's proposals. You could adapt it and say it would be compatible with Bennett's proposals. Again, I'm not saying he aligns with Bennett necessarily um, with the pro-annexation movement, but to me, it still leaves a lot open, and, and that's obviously an electoral strategy. He's not going to say something too controversial, but um, I think it speaks to where Israelis are on the issue of two-state solution. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I would think that, um, I mean, despite Yalon, Yalon getting three, uh, three out of the top ten uh, positions in the party, I would say that Benny Gantz has... Uh, some sort of uh, uh, veto power when it comes to this issue, obviously, uh, with respect to to uh, to Yalon. 
Um, but we, we don't know. And I think this, this points to the, the greater issue, which is, uh, the strategy that Benny Gantz has adapted, which is really, uh, to almost, I mean, we're, we're, I don't know if we're talking about a different party policy wise when it comes to, um, these issues, uh, as, as Netanyahu, we're talking about uh, a party that is definitely, I wouldn't even say center, I would say a party that's really posi- positioning itself as a center-right party with very strong security figures um, that will also try to bring in uh, social activists and other, uh, I mean, there's been talk of like Orly Levy, um, but they're really taking on the Likud uh, in a way that, that uh, really hasn't happened because... Uh, just hearing what the Likud criticism after, they were trying to paint uh, Gantz and Yalon as these extreme leftists, and they had almost nothing, nothing to to say. So, and I mean, if we look at Yalon, the two people who he's bringing on with him in the top ten, it's Tzvi Hauser, who was uh, Netanyahu's cabinet secretary, and Yoaz Hendel, who was a Netanyahu spokesman. And like a well-known right-wing columnist, right of Netanyahu, so it just—I mean—if the Likud tr- tries to prevent, to to kind of present uh, uh, this Gantz Yalon party as some crazy leftist uh, ticket, um, it's not going to be bought by the public. And we've already seen uh, a poll today uh, from Channel uh, Channel Thirteen showing that the Israeli public doesn't buy uh, the label of leftist for for Gantz. Um, so they're going to have to figure things out. Right. I will say, I, I don't know if I would even characterize him as center-right. I, I think what Gantz is trying to build and what he has built and what will continue to gain momentum over the campaign season is that he's creating a catch-all party. You know, he wants, obviously he's courting the center-right voters, um, people who probably are okay in principle with the idea of a two-state solution, but aren't especially enthusiastic about it, um, you know, who would maybe traditionally vote Likud or um, or one of the one of these other parties. He's definitely courting those people, but I think he's trying to spread out across the electorate because he mentioned things that would appeal to left-wingers. He mentioned things that would appeal to right-wingers, obviously to centrists, um, people coming up in the middle. And I think this says something about where the Israeli political scene is now because, yes, he got into more specifics. And he mentioned some policies explicitly, and he detailed you know, what was long-awaited, some of his views on the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. But I think the Israeli political scene is becoming less about substance and more about personalities. And I think you see a lot of these parties trying to build themselves around the leader and the brand of the leader and not necessarily around their specific platforms. Because, like, you know... Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, I, I, we, yeah, I agree with that. And as we're, we're recording this podcast, we're getting some more uh, uh, polling uh, data from Channel One is how would you categorize, how would you categorize Gantz, his views? And 34% say center... 25% say uh, center-left, 21% say center-right, 13% say left, and 6% say right. So if you, he's kind of, I mean, he's right there reaching out to, as you, as you said, to as many, a catch-all kind of thing. I mean, he's going after the center-right, 
and he's bringing in the center left as well. So I mean, he's well. really right. But pe- people really... people aren't going to be voting for him necessarily because they identify with a specific political philosophy. They're going to be voting for Jose and Israel because they think they trust Benny Gantz or they trust his brand or they trust him as a military man. And again, I, I think that says something about the direction. Israeli yeah. politics. Are and if you look, and I'll just give another, because we have now uh, the poll from the Chadashot, uh, from Chadashot, which has uh, the Likud at 30 and Chosen Israel at 21 seats. In the last poll, I think we had Chosen Israel at, at 13 or 14 and Yeshatid right right there with them. And now you see there's Chosen Israel have, have opened that, that 10 that that ten seat gap that I think um, it's obviously very early days and we know to take polls with a grain of salt, but I mean he's solidifying himself as that that number two, and I'll add to that in who do you prefer to as to prime minister between uh, Bibi and Gantz? Thirty six percent Netanyahu, thirty five percent Gantz. So we're talking about something that really Netanyahu hasn't dealt with in. In uh, ten years, um, and so he'll have he'll, he'll have to find out, and he'll have to do it all uh, under uh, probably the recommendation of an indictment from the from the attorney general. Right, and that's another thing that Gantz played up is that you know he said we can't have a prime minister who is under indictment. So you know we'll see how that uh, how that plays out with Israeli voters um, in the coming election. I happen to think that. Netanyahu's base uh, probably don't care uh, a ton about the indictment. And I think that Netanyahu can actually use the indictment to his advantage because he can play it up as the courts are against us, the media is against us, everyone's against us. You know, they're trying to put our leader behind bars and circumvent the democratic process. It's a very uh, populist and I would say undemocratic line to take, but I think it's the one he's going to follow. Because yeah, it's and it's also I mean it's fascinating just to, to look now. at uh, the changes here. I mean uh, the Labor Party. You have the Labor Party at, at at six seats, which is a new low, um, and so a lot of those obviously going to uh, to Gantz. You even have the new right dropping, and then you have uh, Merits dropping to four seats. A big surprise is Tsipri Livni. Is only I mean this is one poll, but she has she's at 0.8 percent of the popular vote. That means she's almost three percent away from the threshold. So that means almost all of her supporters have gone to Gantz. Which That's, which uh, is which is really which I have to say is is really sad because th- this is the person Zippy Livni is the person who last got more seats than Netanyahu in, in 2009. So um, it, it would really be. Yeah. A loss. And what's interesting is, I mean, behind 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 the headlines of uh, of Gantz, uh, Tsipi Lubni also launched her campaign, um, and it obviously did not get uh, anywhere near the same coverage. But her campaign message is Tsipi Lubni fighting for democracy, protecting democracy, and you see how little that message resonates with with Israelis. Right, she's been using this phrase, the the battle for democracy, to describe the 2019 election. So, you know, I I think she realizes probably that her chances at the premiership are shot at this point. So she's speaking 
uh, without reservations, which there's, you know, there's something to respect about that. I have to say it's interesting that these polls are showing votes, um, you know, attrition from some of the left and center-left parties, because one of the reasons I'm personally skeptical a little of Gantz is that for years, um, and especially recently, the Israeli center-left parties have tried to masquerade as right-wingers because that's where they see the public drifting. And they're not incorrect in that assessment, but they're never able to do it genuinely. It, it always comes off as a little fake. Avi Gabay tried this. Um, yeah, your Lapid is always trying to do this, and it never feels real. Um, the question for me is whether Benny Gantz will be able to capture the personality or the theme that these people have been trying, and I would say not succeeded, not succeeding in going for. Um, you know, putting up centrist or or center left policies under a kind of right wing branding. Yeah, no, I, I, I definitely, I see your point. Um, but we, I mean, we're seeing something here that uh, it, it will be very interesting to see how it, how it uh, plays out. Um, and I'm sure this Gantz-Yalon merger is not, is not the last of the mergers. Um, we're still before, I mean, party primaries for uh, Likud, Labor, and and Merits, and there's a lot. Um, a lot to unfold. Gantz will obviously be giving more speeches and probably interviews, and uh, he'll need to expand on his his views. He'll also be, I'm sure, under looking at these polls, he'll be uh, right in the middle of every attack uh, from both both directions. Um, so it'll be really interesting to see what happens. Um, Evan, can I sing the song now? Or? Uh, before before you sing, what's what's your what's your final takeaway on on Benny Gantz as it stands now? Um, my takeaway is that um, I I have a tendency, as you know, to jump the gun. Um, I'm going to yeah. You, going you did to, you you, may, you might have done that on Avi Gabay. Yeah, yeah so I, I'm going to say that 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 this is a very interesting situation that is going to play out with Benny Gantz, and I think that. That he has the potential, if he, I, I don't think he can do it just with Yalon. If he makes one merger and if he makes two with the right people, um, and I'm sure we'll talk about that more in upcoming episodes. Um, I think he can win. I think he can win this election, and I think he can uh, form the next government and become Israel's next prime minister. But again, long road to go, and uh, and Netanyahu will not lose without a fight. Uh, so um, we'll we'll have to wait wait and see. Um, I, I'm I'm slightly less optimistic. I, I I see everything you're saying, and and I think that you make a lot of good points. And I think certainly if anyone has a good chance of unseating Netanyahu, it's Benny Gantz. Um, but in terms of what this election says about the direction of Israeli politics and even the next Israeli government. Um, I think it's disturbing, especially for, for, you know, our audience who care about a two-state solution. It's just not going to be a priority. A lot of what Benny Gantz said sounded great. It, it, it came off as more moderate. It reflected a greater sense of civility than is coming from Netanyahu and other politicians. Um, but this is a personality. It's not necessarily going to dictate the policies of the next government. Um, so I'm, 
you know, I'm concerned even about uh, what a Gantz government would look like. I'm concerned about what role Yalon would play in it. Um, so, you know, we have to wait and see. I think the priority has to be um, unseating Netanyahu. But as Netanyahu perceives a greater and greater threat from Gantz, I think his own campaign and the campaign of parties on the right is going to get even uglier than it has been in previous years and in previous months. And you see Netanyahu taking out ads on news sites, calling those own, those sites themselves fake news, You know, going after the media. The last campaign, there was uh, the infamous uh, quips about minorities. So um, whatever it takes to mobilize the right-wing base, I think they're going to pull out all the stops if they feel under threat. So this is going to be a, a tough campaign to watch, but it's an important one. So with that, Eli, take it away and uh, sing us Benny Gantz's song in English. I'm right here. I'll wait for the chorus. And by the way, I just want to say, this is not, I, I wanna not an up. endorsement. It's not an endorsement. Yamin or small. Shrak Israel. Israel. Lifnei akol. I hate this song, by the way. But I'm, There's I, I no more l- right or left. There's just Israel. Oh, come on, that's not singing. That's Israel like before everything. Word. Well, you know, I, I sung... I sung uh, I, I, I'm gonna, what, what I'm gonna give our listeners just... One chorus, I think, is more than enough with my, with my singing no voice. Um, but, um, but, but, yeah, so it will be interesting to see how, how this uh, goes on. And let's... let's uh, Leave our listeners with, uh, so yeah, I mean, if th- this jingle is any indication, this will be a incredibly interesting and entertaining election cycle. And if you want more resources on the Israeli elections, uh, Israel Policy Forum is launching our own web resource, uh, the 120 Project, uh, aptly named for the number of seats in the Knesset, um, in case you were wondering. And that's going to track the developments leading up to Election Day on April 9th, and even give you some post-election analysis. And you can find that website at www.israelpolicyforum.org forward slash elections. And you can find on there polling, uh, original commentary and analysis from a variety of writers, as well as we're going to be getting contributions, exclusive contributions from Tal Shalev of Israel's Walla News. Um, She's their political correspondent. Um, you can find profiles on the parties. Uh, we're even going to have a quiz, uh, right, Eli? A little personality quiz, like those BuzzFeed things. Find out which party you would vote for uh, if you were in Israel, or if you are in Israel. Uh, you know, let us help you decide. And and if you email us directly, I will send you. A, I will, we will send you a, a full version of me and uh, Evan. Uh, duet of uh, Benny Gantz's jingle. Now I'm never going to disclose our email address. <laughs> All right, so. Thanks for joining us on this week's episode of Israel Policy Pod, and we'll catch you on the next episode.